Well, this young lady standing up here with me, her name is Savannah. She is our church administrative assistant, but she's got a great testimony. Last week, uh, the Lord just spoke and said that he wanted to pray over uh, a deaf ear. I wasn't sure who in the world that was going to be, but it wound up being Savannah. I'm going to let her tell the story because she will probably tell it with more emotion and probably shorter than I would tell it. So tell them what happened to you last week. Okay, so um, last week, uh, Pastor Chris felt it on his heart to call me up from the very back and um, pray over my ear, which I had not told him about, um, because it had been something that I lived my entire life with. Um, And so I just kind of put it in the back burner, um, but he called it out. And so last week, um, when I was standing right here, Um, I felt just this warmth go all the way down my ear canal. Um, And that was about it when I was standing here, and then I walked out into the hall, and the doors slamming were really loud. Like, they were really loud, and I was like, okay. And so then I was like, okay, like, that's one thing. Um, But then the part that got me was I went to my parents' house, and I went to walk to the bathroom, which is down a hallway, and my mom whispered, Savannah like that. And I just slowly, it was like in a movie. I just turned around and I just started bawling. And she, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So, (laughs) so if you asked her, you would know that that was a big deal because she, all my life, she has to be like, Savannah, so for her to just whisper that and me to hear it and turn around, we just couldn't help it. So it's just amazing. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's something with God. You know, we talk about things. <laughs> it's one thing to talk about it, but then when God actually does it, right? So seeing God do something for somebody who was born with this condition uh, man, it just irritates me when people don't believe that God still does miracles. Uh, amen, amen, amen. We're going to be in 2 Kings this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to take all of our points right out of 2 Kings. If somebody built a, a, a factory to make shoes and they hired employees to make shoes... And they advertised that they made shoes, yet never made any shoes. We would consider that to be a failure, wouldn't we? A lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort put into making shoes that were never being made. Right? I mean, they have one job. This is what they say that they they do. One job, make shoes, yet they're not making any shoes. The church has one job. Discipleship. One job. There's a lot of things that go into that job, but one job. Do you know that the word discipleship is used more time in the New Testament in the New Testament than the word love? The word belief, the word peace. It's a very, very important word 
In fact, what we call the Great Commission, there in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, when he's talking to his disciples, go, go, go where? Go to all nations and do what? Make disciples. He didn't say create a shoe factory and then never make any shoes, did he? We got shoe factories on on every corner. Uh Are we making disciples? That's what we're called to do. Make disciples. We're finishing up a a lesson series this morning called Identify. We've, We've been talking the last five weeks about this church's identity. It's not every church. Every church has its own identity. If every church has the same identity, there's a lot of redundant churches. You know, Smith County, Texas has 400 churches. We don't need all 400 of them if they're doing the exact same thing, right? So we've been talking about this church's identity, who we are. We started off with this is a spirit-filled church that we will make room for the Holy Spirit to move. However, he chooses to move. Then we also talked about being a multicultural church. Because from the very beginning in Acts chapter 2, God created, he birthed the church into a multicultural identity. We talked about being a relational church. And last week we we talked about uh, why we disciple. And this morning... We're going to finish this lesson series with how, how we disciple. So first of all, let's just give a good definition to to disciple. What what does that even mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a pupil of, a pupil of someone, to follow the precepts and the instruction, to be a student. Now, when we talk about student, being a student, a lot of times what we think of is, is school, right? You sit in school, the teacher talketh, and you regurgitate it for a test, right? That's, that's, at least that's the way I went to school. You know, they, they didn't have this Montessori stuff. They didn't have all these things. Like, like my granddaughter, she, she's in kindergarten, but you never know what they're going to do because they kind of get to do whatever. they. It's, it's hands-on learning and things like that. I would have loved that because even in kindergarten, I couldn't sit still. I, I, was, I was the only kid in the class in kindergarten who, who, who the principal knew by first name. Okay, because I was always being sent, because I couldn't sit still. So when, when I'm talking about a student here, we're not just talking about you sit, you listen, you repeat what I say. Now, there is, there, there's nothing wrong with having a class. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with having, having Sunday sermons and, and things like that. But what we need to think about more is like being an apprentice. Being an apprentice where, where you do get some, some instruction, but you also get to come up alongside somebody that's been doing it, and you learn some, and then there is an expectation of taking what you've learned and doing it. When we start to talk about discipleship, that's what we mean here at New Covenant Church. We want to first of all instill in you and help you see the the heart of the Father in everything that we do. And we ask you to come along. 
Come with us. Come walk with us. Come see what we do. And then we want you doing it. Because it's not about the person that stands up here on the stage. Whoever it happens to be that Sunday morning. It's not, about, it's not just about the anointed ones. Because we're all anointed. We're all gifted. We're all called into the kingdom. And it's a shame that we have allowed over the years this, this great lie to, to be birthed in the church that only those that have you know, ascended the holy hill up here get to do the ministry. But guess what? You see a whole lot of people during the week that I don't see. Pastor Sam doesn't see. Pastor Roger doesn't see. So if we've equipped you to be who God has called you to be, then we get to see God doing things in Tyler and East Texas that wouldn't happen if we were just expecting it all to happen right up here. All right? So I want to show you four places of discipleship. And that is over in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter... And we're going to start right there in verse 1. And it says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Let me say this just just right up front if you're not familiar with, with, with what's going on here. Elijah is the prophet, and Elisha is his disciple. And it says that the Lord's getting ready to take Elijah to heaven, and he and Elijah are on their way from Gilgal. So what do we learn at Gilgal? The name Gilgal means to roll away. We see it in Joshua 5, 9. Where it says, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Now that sounds very innocuous. That doesn't, you know, hey, that's great, Lord. But uh, if you go and read the story, at Gilgal is where the Lord circumcised all the men who had been born in the wilderness, okay? So uh, when the Lord is saying, I rolled this away from you, that might sound great, doesn't it? But, you know, uh, it, it, was, it was a place of cutting away. It, w- it was a place of separation. It was a place, it could have been a, pl- well, I'm sure it was a place of pain. It, it was a place of coming into contact with the covenant. You understand what I mean when I say covenant? You know, our church is called New Covenant Church. Does everybody even know what the word covenant means? It's not, oh, that's the New Testament. <laughs> well, it, 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 a covenant is, 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 you could say, maybe a strong agreement or promise that cannot be broken. Okay? So the sign of the, the old covenant, the sign of the old covenant was, was circumcision. There was things that they did within the covenant, but to be a partaker of the covenant, you had to be circumcised. You had to go through Gilgal. You had to go through this place of, of cutting away. Now, here's, here's the, great, the great part of being in the new covenant, that it's not just the guys that, that are circumcised. <laughs> We're circumcised in the heart now, okay? Unless you think I'm preaching something weird. I'm not preaching anything weird there, okay? 
We're circumcised of the heart. So it's not just a, a man that can, that can be a partaker of the covenant. It's all God's kids that can be a partaker of the covenant. At Gilgal is where we first have that cutting away and we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. All right? So let's move on. Verse two, and Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, And as you yourself live, I will not leave you. You have to be determined to keep going. You have to make a determination in your own heart that I'm going to go wherever God is going with this. That I am going to continue to press in. I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue after God. So they went down to Bethel. What do we learn at Bethel? The word Bethel means house of God. House of God. We never know who's going to show up at the house of God. <laughs> and we're calling this the, the, the house of God. And, and I am going to talk. I, I understand. This, this is a building, okay? This is a building. This is not like the tabernacle or the temple where, where the presence of God had to stay within this one place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Okay? So we carry God with us wherever we go. But I'm talking in in terms of what do we do here at this house that that we call New Covenant Church? The house of God. If we're going to press into these things, if I've gone through Gilgal, I'm at a relationship with the Lord, and then I need to be determined to keep going with the Lord, what is it that I am going to get at the house of God? First of all, we just need to understand we need to be at the house of God, right? Right? I mean, the, the, the generation that we live in, the society that we live in, uh, when I said you, you, we never know who's going to show up at the house of God, because we don't know. You know, one week we may have 200 people, the next week we may have 50. You just don't know. It's just the way our society has become that we don't have this, 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 this overwhelming desire to press into to the things of God. But if we're going to go to Bethel, you have got to be determined to keep going. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It's for you. It's for you. Hebrews 10.25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Why should we be at the house of God? It should be an encouragement to you. If the only reason you come down here is because you, you start feeling guilty because you fe- missed a few weeks, that's not the reason to be here. Right? When you come in here, there should be a place of encouragement for you. Luke 4.16 says, And he came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. If Jesus made it a custom in his life to be in the house of God on the Sabbath day, and we are calling ourselves Christians, which means to be Christ-like, Should we not make it a priority to be in the house receiving what Lord wants us to get at Bethel? Unfortunately, and this this is no, you know, I'm not taking any shots at anybody, but unfortunately, most most Christians 
live, live in this place of limbo between Gilgal and Bethel. Yeah, I'm in the relationship, but I'm not sure I'm committed over here. I'll go every once in a while, you know. Uh, but that's not what the Lord wants out of us. You can never be discipled if you show up to church once every six weeks. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's just the truth. <laughs> it's just the truth. I don't say that because I have this overwhelming need for the place to be full. It's a whole lot more fun when it's full. I've preached when we, when, when we didn't have seats enough for people in here. We had to sit people out in the foyer. But COVID did not uh, steal people away from us. It just really exposed what was going on in people's hearts. So if, if we're going to get what the Lord wants us to get at Bethel, we need, to, we need to truly know that, that, and I'm just talking to church people here today, right? I'm, ta- I'm talking to New Covenant people, that this is where the Lord wants you to be. And if this is where the Lord wants you to be, this is where he wants you to be discipled. And we want to disciple you. Amen. You know, it says in, in Acts 2.24, uh, talking about the, the early church, it says that they were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to teaching, the instruction and doctrine. They were devoted to it. So we have opportunities here. Sunday morning, yeah, that's great. Sunday morning is great. Be here on Sunday morning. So guess what? We have, we have Wednesday nights. We have the Bible uh, school going on. There are so many opportunities for you to engage, to continue to press in, to, to continue to go further. So let's be devoted to the teaching. The second thing it says is fellowship. And the word there is koinonia. When we hear fellowship, we think, oh, we're just going to hang out. You say fellowship to, to most Christians and they think food. Right? You mean that's not the, in the Greek? No, it's not. It means to share and be shared with. To give and to take. We've come to the place where, where and, and I understand when, when, when we're really in need, I just want to take, I want to take, I want to take. But if we're, if we're really going to be discipled at Bethel, if we're really going to get what the Lord wants us to get at Bethel, we have to understand that there's some giving too. The Lord wants us to start to, to give. Even if it's at, 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 at a very basic level, I'm going to give. I'm going to serve in the church. I'm, 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 going, to, I'm going to start to, to, to help the church financially. I'm going to do some of these things instead of just always, you know, getting. That, that word koinonia, is, it's, it's just a bigger word than we think it is. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, if we walk in the light, do you want to walk in the light? I mean, that sounds good, right? That sounds very churchy, right? We want to walk in the light. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That word koinonia right there, again, if we walk in the light, we're going to have fellowship with one another. I meet so many people, and I understand church hurts. I've been church hurt, but I meet so many people that's just like, well, you know, I just, I don't agree with organized religion. Guess what? You're not walking in the light. Because if you walk in the light, you're going to have fellowship 
with one another. Third thing he says is breaking bread. Once again, it sounds like food, doesn't it? That's a, that's a good church thing, right? But a lot of the, the commentaries I looked at said what he was really talking about was communion, the Lord's Supper. So we have teaching, uh, we, have, we, have, we have the teaching, we have fellowship, and then we have communion together. And communion is, it, it is so deep and it is so real. Understand, and, and we take communion usually on the fourth Sunday, sometimes the fifth Sunday of each month. When we do that, the Bible says we're putting ourselves in remembrance. Putting ourselves in remembrance of what the Lord has, has done for us. Sometimes we just need to remember who we are. Sometimes I just need to, I, I need to remember that Jesus was broken. His body was broken for me. I, sometimes I just need to remember that, uh, that, that that blood was shed for me. It's not that I've really forgotten it, but it's a moment to go, God, this is what you did for me. Jesus, this is what you did for me. And then just thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when we do it corporately, when we do it together, yeah, I, you know, I take communion several times a week just by myself, just me and Jesus, because it's not that I have to remind myself. I'm really telling, I'm prophesying to, 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 the, to the enemy who I am. <laughs> but when we do it together, there's power in it. There's power in it. We should begin to expect and believe when we take communion that it is going to be so saturated in the presence of God that people are going to run down here to get saved, that people are going to be healed because of the broken body of Jesus. It's not just, oh, I don't like this styrofoam cracker. What are we believing as we do it? Because there's power in it. There really is power in it. And the fourth thing there out of Acts chapter 2 is prayer. Prayer. So what are we going to get from being at Bethel? We're going to get instruction in doctrine. We're going to get fellowship that helps us walk in the light. We're going to have communion together that helps us uh, remember and be reminded of who we are in Christ. And we're going to have prayer. Because at Bethel is really where we're grounded in our faith. Now, verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Guess what? You have to be determined to keep going. You've got to be determined to press on. You've got to be determined that I'm going to get as much out of this as I can. Amen. So they came to Jericho. So what can we learn at Jericho? The word Jericho means fragrant. Fragrant. In John 12, 3, it says, Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed, his, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume at Jericho, we learn to give our best. 
at Bethel, we're still getting a lot. We're, we're, we're still receiving a whole lot, and we're giving a little bit back. But when we press into Jericho, when we go on to Jericho, what we're saying is, Lord, I'm going to give you my best. And guess what? It's going to cost us. It will cost us. It, was, it didn't say she had an ounce of expensive perfume, right? It said she had a pound of it. A pound of it. This one bottle of perfume that she had cost about a year's worth of wages. I mean, just think about that. I mean, of a day laborer's wages, I mean, that's, that's how they gauged money, a denarii. A day laborer, this is what you get paid for a day. It was worth 300, or at least that's what Judah said later. It's worth 300, 300 days of work, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to take this, and I am just going to break it over Jesus. It cost us something. There is a breaking in us that has to happen. There's humility that comes. She wiped the man's feet with her hair. This is where deep ministry and freedom begins to happen. This is where it goes beyond just uh, uh, I'm saved and, and I've got a relationship with Jesus and I come and I like, to, I like to have Bible study. This is where it really starts to do some heart surgery deep in us because we've all got some wounds. We've all got some places. We've all got some junk. But at Jericho, when we're willing to give our best and sometimes the best that we have is the hurt that we have. Trusting God with what I have turned into an identity. Do you hear me? I've turned it into this identity. I've been hurt, and this is the way I see myself. But the best I can give is myself. And I'm going to open up, and I'm going to allow the Lord to do ministry, deep stuff that's going to bring up things that I didn't even realize was there or I didn't want to remember. But God is saying, I want to set you free from that. It'll cost us. The scripture goes on to say, actually, in, in Mark 14, the, the same version of this story we, we were reading. It says, why was the ointment wasted? Why was the ointment wasted? At Jericho, we develop a passion that's not moved by the opinion of others. At Jericho, we develop this relationship with the Lord that says, I'm willing to waste it all on him. It's not, well, Lord, I'll give you this amount of time, but all this over here is, is mine. Remember I said it would cost you. It costs us our personal time. I can't tell you how many times Lisa and I have gone on, on date night and we've done ministry. How, how, many, how many birthdays, how many anniversaries we didn't celebrate on that day because it was a Sunday or a Wednesday. 
Now, that's not a pat on my back. It, uh, what I'm just trying to say is, is, is it, it will cost us sometimes. Just about that time that you sit down to, to dinner and somebody calls you and they're in desperate need of something. It costs us to go to Jericho. It costs us. Scripture tells us, I think this is in 2 Corinthians 2. I forgot to put it on here. but <laughs> 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Through you, through you, people are going to smell Jesus on you. To this very day, to this very day, if my wife puts on the perfume that she wore on our wedding day, I'm, I know it immediately. And she's got like 800 bottles of perfume. They all smell the same. Do you like this one? Do you like this one? Yeah, it smells nice. But if she put on that one, I smell it. And it takes me back to June 23rd, 1990, when that woman is walking down the aisle. You need to smell like that to people. You understand what I'm saying? When we've been with Jesus and they have an encounter with Jesus, they're going to smell him on you. And every time they get around you, every time they smell that smell, we are the fragrance of God through Christ Jesus. How are we going to help you do that? We're going to help you recognize your own giftings because you've got them. We're going to help you see what you're called to do. We're going to spend time one-on-one -on -one with you. You may see it in a class. It may be us looking each other in the eye. But you've got giftings and you've got callings and you've got talents that God put in you to use in the kingdom. And when we get to Jericho, this is where you begin to recognize who you are. You begin to recognize, this may cost me something, but I can't do anything but break it over Jesus, waste it for Jesus. At Jericho, we smell we learn to smell like Jesus. All right, the last thing I want to show you. Verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. What am I going to say? <laughs> you have to be determined. You catching on here? You have to be determined. Nobody's going to keep you from going to these deeper places in the Lord except us. Look, I have waffled between Gilgal and Bethel in my life, but then there's something that said, get in. Get involved. And then I felt that calling to Jericho, and I had to make that decision. This is who I am. And then we go to the Jordan. We're determined to, to keep following, to keep going. What do we learn at the Jordan? Look, 
The Jordan is a place of complete surrender to God. Remember, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, right? He was baptized by John. John was baptizing people for a baptism of repentance, right? What did Jesus need to repent of? Nothing. He didn't didn't need to, to repent of anything. What he was doing was completely surrendering to the call of God on his life. Because when he was baptized and he came up and God said, this is my son, and the Holy Spirit came on him for ministry. He was completely surrendering. He knew where he was going. He knew the end of this, but he was completely surrendering. But Jordan is a place of complete surrender. It's also the boundary to the promised land. In Joshua 3, just as, as the children of Israel are going into the promised land, it says, uh, 3 verse 1 says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out for Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And then verse 5 says, Then Joshua said to them, Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. We've been talking a lot about, the Lord's talking about unity and holiness. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. When we get to the Jordan, we're we're beyond uh, the point of no return. We're giving it all. It's complete surrender. And the Lord is saying, consecrate yourself because the place you're about to step into, I'm going to do some some stuff. I'm going to do some stuff. So when we get to Jordan, there's an expectation for you to step into ministry. I believe New Covenant Church is a place where God is going to call people to come and be discipled for ministry. Not everyone goes. If you, if you read on there in, in 2 Kings 2, it says that as they went down to Jordan, there were 50 sons of the prophets. They stood back and watched. There may be people that go to, that go to Jericho. They know that there's calling in their life, but there's something about stepping into that place of the Jordan because as awesome as it can be, it's, it, it can be warfare too. It can be tough. When we're saying, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm not worried about anything. I'm going after you. And he says, quit your job. You go, uh-uh. <laughs> not doing that. Are we going to the Jordan? Those other guys, they're standing back. They're watching. <laughs> There may be some people watching you. Doesn't mean they won't get to the Jordan, but right now they're like, "Uh uh-uh. Not going there yet. So when they cross the Jordan, just to end the story, I don't have it there in, in my notes, but as they cross the Jordan, the Lord did come for Elijah. And Elisha took up the ministry of Elijah. And it says that he did twice as many miracles. See, that's the goal of discipleship. Not come and listen to me, but imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then go and do twice as much as we've done. Take it higher. 
as we begin to call out the, the giftings in you, take it higher. Go further. I'll end with this story. There's a man sitting in the, uh, the booth back there. His name is Eric. If you were here at the throne room service, he gave his testimony. I didn't know he was going to give his testimony at the throne room, and then I was going to turn around and give it here. But Eric, he is a very educated man. He is a graduate of uh, Louisiana State. I almost said Loser State University. Louisiana State University because <laughs> I tease him about it so much. He's, he's got a master's from Tulane. He's an educated man. And guess what? He used that education. He made a lot of money. He was a very su successful businessman. Very successful. But you know, you can be a success in the world's eyes and be an absolute dumpster fire spiritually. He was an alcoholic. Lost everything that he had. Lost his family. Lost his money. Lost his business. Lost, lost everything. But you know what? He found himself at Gilgal. Found himself at Gilgal. And he allowed himself to be, to be circumcised and separated. Then he found himself at Bethel, where he said, I'm pressing in. I'm pressing in. He allowed, he allowed uh, people to speak into his life. He allowed people to, 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 to call him forward. And then he made it to Jericho. Yes, and he began to see the giftings in his own life. Yes. It wasn't just about what he could get from somebody else. It's what God had uniquely created him yes. to be. Yes. And then standing on the banks of the Jordan. Been clean and sober for a while. could have gone back into business. I'm telling you people, if we're really going to be who God has called us to be, it's going to cost us something. It really is going to cost us something. He could have gone back into the business world, and I guarantee you, he could have been successful at it again. But instead, he put it aside, and he walks the streets and he ministers to people. He has Bible study on the streets. He leads people to the Lord. That's his job now. That's what he does. Why? Because he came, he came to Jordan and he said, God, you've done all this for me. I know who you've recreated me to be. And now I'm going to give it all for you. He was so complimentary of us during the throne room service when he was giving his testimony. But I want to say it's an honor to walk with somebody like that. Are you determined to keep going? Are you determined to keep? I, I understand this is, this is a different and even a difficult kind of message to hear sometimes because some people are just saying, I just want to survive today. And I'm talking about being in ministry. I'm talking about it costing you something. And people are going, well, yeah, but I'm hurt and I'm broken and I need this and I need this and I need this. Well, guess what? The same God that, that sees you as he created you to be sees you right where you are. And he is willing to step right into that to set you free so you can continue to move on. At Gilgal, 
you receive the message of Jesus, you receive the covenant, but then it also engages. It engages the evangelist. That evangelist, he wants to live at Gilgal. He wants to be right there. If you've got a heart for the lost, you've got a heart for people who are outside of a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you today, we honor your gift. We honor your gift. We call you out to be who God has called you to be, created you to be. Going to Bethel. All of the gifts flow there, but man, that's, that, that's really the heart of, of the shepherd and the teacher. The, 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 the teaching of the classes and the shepherd just helping, helping the sheep. And I want to tell you, if you've got giftings that are in line with the teacher and, and the pastor or the shepherd, we honor that gift. And we're calling it out of you. We're call, I'm doing something prophetic that, that some of you don't even understand, and that's okay. I'm speaking over New Covenant Church that the giftings that are in the house and the giftings that, he are, that he's bringing into the house, they're going to come out. And we're going to disciple those gifts, and we're going to see East Texas turned upside down. Okay? Then we go to Jericho. Jericho, man, that's, real, that's really seeing and declaring places. Man, you prophets, you prophets love Jericho. You smell like Jesus because you've been with him. You go up a little bit higher, you see a little bit further. You hear things. Whew. I'm going to tell you, there are people that are okay with the, with the pastor and the, the teacher. They're so okay with the evangelist. You start talking uh, apostles and prophets and they think you're weird. And I just want to say I'm weird. Because we're going to honor, we're going to honor the gift of the prophet. We're going to honor the prophetic giftings in the people of God. Some of you don't even know it's there. You don't understand why you kind of know what's going on before it even happens. And you say something like, well, my granny had this, you know. No, that's the Holy Spirit. You see, you hear, you know, and we honor your giftings. And we want to call them up and we want to call them higher. And we want you released into who you're supposed to be. We want to disciple you in your giftings. And there at the Jordan where mantles are being passed, that's an apostolic heart. That's the father's heart. The father is always, hey, son, I want you to do the work. I want, I want, I want you to do the ministry. And those that have that heart, we call that up too. We call that up higher. But the thing is, if you're in here and you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the gifts, you have the callings, we want to help you find out what they are. That's what discipleship here at New Covenant Church is all about, helping you be who God called you to be. So I want you just to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. The best as you can right now. Some of you, this is already buzzing and stirring on the inside of you. Some of you are just wanting me to say amen so you can leave. But the thing is, each and every one of you, each and every one of you, if you think, if you think lowly of yourself, that's what the enemy's going to treat you like. But I'm telling you, 
You're a giant in God's eyes. You're a warrior in God's eyes. You're gifted. You are qualified. Yeah, but you don't know what a mess I'm in. I don't care what mess you're in. God can fix messes just like that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we submit our hearts. We submit ourselves. Lord, I declare over this congregation. I declare over all of those who are watching online. I declare over every member of New Covenant who is not here this morning that they are people of the kingdom. They are called. Lord, you have asked us to help equip them. That's what we're going to do in discipleship. And Lord, I just ask, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to reveal gifts. Reveal gifts. So we can be the church you've called us to be. Equipping people to go out. To go out. We're not a gathering church. We're a sending church. We're going to send the laborers into the harvest. In the name of Jesus the name of Jesus. Father, we receive what you are doing here. In Jesus' name, amen.